All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It's Monday, September 19th of 2022. Uh, we are here at our new time slot, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern. Pushed it back a little bit. We've had people asking us for a while uh, to do uh, an office hour show a little bit later in the day. I know that that um, old 12 o'clock Eastern time is, is a little bit early. Um, Andrew is practically still... Uh, drinking his coffee or two o'clock Eastern still drinking his coffee most of the time <laughs> out there on the West coast. Um, so out here at the new time slot, this will, this will be the new time going forward. Um, I think it should be a little bit better. Hopefully more people can make it here. Um, but Andrew, what's going on, man? How was your weekend? How was Sunday? How are things going? Oh, it was all right. Uh, wasn't my best main slate did yeah. okay in the night showdown. So looking forward to the two gamer today. Yes. Yes. We have another classic, uh, slate here tonight, another like NFL classic type, uh, which is nice instead of just the, the Monday night showdown. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Hopefully we get some, uh, Gabe Davis news here in like the, the near future. It sounds like right. it was questionable and then it was like pretty doubtful. And now it sounds like maybe legitimately questionable. So I, I don't really know, uh, what's going on there, but hopefully we Who get plays, something in the inactive. Do the report. Eagles play first or do the, uh, Oh, no. Titans Bills is first, which is nice. So we should have oh, that okay. news a little bit earlier. Um, I think too, those games might like there, there actually should be a period of time where both of those games are on at the same time. Um, like it seems like, yeah, kind of staggered starts. So like 515 for, well, my time 515 and then 630 for the next game. So like both games should be on for a little bit too. Gotcha. Uh, I was hoping for some early season late swap action, but it's yeah. all right. Yeah. No, uh, anyway, let's go ahead. Let's let's start jumping in here, um, getting into things. We do have, of course, the the weekly max challenge is the the first order of events here uh, today. If you guys haven't heard of this, if you're if you're hearing this for the first time, so we do this every NFL season. We basically just give away a ton of free stuff. Um, all you have to do is is register to play, which is just finishing, which is just completing a, a little short form for us. Um, you need to wear the the SaberSim avatars, your DraftKings logo, and then you need to max out the uh, NFL Sunday mini max the, the main slate mini max every week uh and by doing so you get the opportunity to win free tickets to the next week's uh tournament um you get the chance to win free stuff if you are the highest scoring player in the contest that week uh if you take the the contest down if you bank it which happened twice last year as a part of this challenge uh you get all kinds of cool stuff you get this cool championship belt and then just for participating for the whole season, for, for 10 weeks of 18 or for 18 weeks of 18, you'll get guaranteed prizes at the end. So uh, more information, you can read all about it for yourself here on uh, this page, which is in now in the YouTube chat. Um, but week two is complete. So we have two things to do here. First, uh, the top finisher from this week uh, with a pretty impressive score, uh, if I can say so myself here uh, of, let me pull it up here again, 247. 0.36. Uh, it was good for 45th uh, in the main, uh, the big uh, mini max um, of last of this past week was Jorn Vigo. Um, so congratulations, Jorn Vigo had a pretty nice looking Tua stack in there, as you guys can probably imagine. Uh, so for Jorn Vigo, uh, a free month of SaberSim advanced. Uh, a SaberSim t-shirt and an entry to this end of season free roll that we run, which is uh, pretty nice. It's a $5,000 prize pool, $1,000 to first prize. Uh, so Jorn Vigo wins the second ticket into that free roll here uh, now to the end of the season. So congratulations, Jorn Vigo. And then the one other thing uh, to do here is the uh, Minimax tickets for next week. So uh, let me go ahead. We'll get our trusty wheel of names pulled up and let me get my uh, list of people that have participated here for this week. Um, hang on real quickly here. Uh, okay. There we go. All right. So 134 this week. Uh, dropped off a little bit. Don't forget to get into those mini maxes early, guys. Uh, participate in this every single week. But we have 134 entrants here. Um, one other quick note is in the Discord, I posted a link earlier uh, today in the NFL channel that has a spreadsheet that will show you who has registered so far and who we have having participated uh, for both week one and two. So if you want to go see that, that is pinned in the NFL channel and Discord. But um Andrew, we got one. We got one wheel spin to do here. You got you got anything for me? A, a, a one liner? Any anything uh, before we I, I I pull the lever on this? Maybe I'll uh, put my hand up. 
as I'm doing a kickoff or something. There you go. That's perfect. All right. For uh, free 150 tickets to next week's mini max, let's go ahead and get our spin in here. And it is Rudy 13. Congratulations, Rudy 13. Uh, so to Rudy and Jordan Vigo, our two winners this week here, um, we I will we will get an email out to you guys um, by the end of the day tomorrow and get these prizes moving for you. Um, we have a uh, better situation here with DraftKings this year. So um, should be able to pretty reliably get those tickets out to everybody the same week that you win. So um, congratulations, Rudy13 and Jordan Vigo this week. Everybody else, don't forget, remember uh, to keep registering for that mini max every week. It's It's been filling super quick. So get your get your seats in early there. Uh, and we'll be back again for, for week three to do this again. So All right. Congrats to the winners. Yeah, let's go ahead and and jump in here. We had um, a couple questions here uh, to to get us started. One of these came in through support. And before we jump in, um, as always, especially for those of you that are are uh, watching or listening to this show for the first time, if you have questions for me and Andrew, just fire away at us in YouTube chat or in Discord. Uh, that's why we do this show live is to answer live questions here. So uh, go ahead and post your questions. I think a good one for us to get started with here today. Um, given that we have two showdowns here tonight, is this question uh, about um, NFL showdown and specifically the sliders. So let me go ahead and get this one pulled up here. Um, so yeah, this got, this got emailed in from TV Jones. Um, and here we go. Uh, question says, I have a question regarding settings for NFL showdown slates. When I select the contests, uh, GPP single entry setting for the correlation slider and ownership fade slider are at zero. And the sim precision is 10. Is this correct? When I select uh, anything other than single entry sliders adjust to different settings. Um, also, one of the videos you guys put out, I believe it says to move correlation to three and leave ownership at zero and sim precision at 10. Can you explain this? So I actually think for our default settings for showdown, uh, these sliders are always actually zero zero ten at least as far as i'm aware i've never seen it otherwise yeah it looks like so it looks like if you get to like some really small contests here sim precision comes down a little bit but it should be zero zero um and, and ten for the most part for nfl showdown um so that is correct first of all these are these are the correct sliders what this is basically going to do uh is for every single lineup in your pool we're going to pick a single game, a single game simulation from our tens of thousands of sims of the game and build the optimal lineup for that actual game outcome. And we do this 500 times. And what you're ultimately left with is this pool of lineups that are all basically these, these single game simulations. Uh, and that's basically what we're trying to do in NFL Showdown, right? We're trying to take a single game of football, figure out what are the full range of outcomes of this game, figure out what are the DFS lineups associated with those outcomes, and, and then enter those lineups into our contests. Uh, the, the main reason why the correlation slider first, the correlation slider is zero is because the correlation is naturally accounted for in, in the Sims, right? Uh, because it's a play-by-play -play Sim, if you get Josh Allen at your captain position, it's likely that you're picking from a Sim where obviously Josh Allen had a big game, but some of his pass catchers are also probably going to have a big game and are generally just going to show up in the flex spots naturally alongside that. So you don't need that extra added correlative factor in your build because in a single game of football, in a single play-by-play -play game script of football, you get that showing up naturally. Uh, the ownership fade slider is a little bit more of an interesting case here. The reason, again, it is at zero uh, on, on average is just because we don't want to necessarily disrupt those perfect single sim optimals with our, with our lineup construction. I think there is an argument to potentially think about increasing this here. Um, Andrew, I mean, I'll, I'll kick this one over to you. What, what are your thoughts on like, especially for a really large field NFL showdown? Do you ever mess with the ownership fade slider? What What are your thoughts here with the way that the sliders come together? So as far as what I do is I leave it at 0010, mm -hmm. except for the Millie or the large flagship for the okay. night. So if I were to play showdown, I don't think they have one tonight because it's a two gamer but if they had the monday night uh million dollars to first showdown mm -hmm. i'll usually increase it just to one maybe two okay but i'll never go to three or above typically 
Gotcha. Yeah. And and I think that's totally fine. I've talked about that here on stream a little bit before that, that turning up that ownership fade slider can be a good tool, especially in really large field stuff uh, where it's still to your benefit to, to get away from the field. Um, I also think, you know, another thing you can do is, and the, the way that I generally end up doing my showdown lineups is, you know, that this pool of 500 lineups, every lineup in this pool has a, is an optimal for a game script right? There's a, there's a game script that backs up every single lineup. So you can kind of start taking stands against ownership and know that no matter what, you'll end up playing a good, a, you'll end up playing a pool of 20 that are all at least optimal for one single script. So what I'll typically do is instead of turning the ownership fade slider up, I'll just take stands against ownership after I've run the build. So I might do something like just fading Josh Allen captain, because I know I'm not just eliminating Josh Allen from the, the captain spot and just like hoping for the best. What I'm actually doing is saying, give me the best 20 lineups in this pool of 500 where Josh Allen isn't the optimal captain in that game set. And it's going to give you kind of more of a natural, uh, it's it's going to give you lineups that are a little bit better built around that particular script occurring rather than just saying, you can't, like telling the builder, you can't use Josh, Cap, Josh Allen at the captain spot. Um, I'll also do a few things with the way that my lineups are actually constructed. A lot of things, a lot of times what I like to do uh, is to play like a, a script that I don't think is going to be as popular. So maybe I'll fade the idea that the Bills kind of uh, win this game by a lot, even though they're pretty heavily favored, and target more of an outcome where um, it's a little bit more of an even game or maybe even one that like the Titans actually end up uh, outperforming uh, expectations. And, and my lineups are a little bit more built with uh, like overweight Titans lineup. So, um, but yes. I do the, like your approach of targeting fading ownership from your pool yeah i think that's a good approach overall i might have to try that myself i would say if you're gonna do that you have to be willing to get all the way to the bottom of your pool sometimes and that's yeah okay. for sure and i i think then also even building a bigger pool can be helpful there as well um, which is something that i like to do i build 1500 instead of the 500 just because i know i'm going to be eliminating a lot of lineups um but yeah, the, the main reason why is the, the main reason why, because the question is is kind of written like, why is this the case? Um, the, the sliders are 0, 0, 010 for these NFL showdowns just because we want to make sure that people by default are starting with a pool of lineups where every lineup in the pool is an optimal for a game sim that we have. Uh, and once you start adding in some of those other factors pre-build, that can that can can disrupt that potentially. I would I would more recommend uh, doing what Andrew said and increasing the ownership fade slider a bit if you're playing the really large field stuff and leave the correlation slider alone here um, than adjusting the correlation slider uh, just because, you know, that correlation is naturally accounted for in the sims, so. Right, and also leaving the correlation neutral can allow you to get some builds where you have negative correlations in your lineup, which is a good thing in showdown and can reduce duplications. Yes, I told. Yeah. So like, you know, let's see if we can find one. I bet you we can. So here's, here's one, right? So Josh Allen and the Titans defense, right? We look at the average correlations here. Josh Allen has an average negative correlation to the Titans D of, of minus 0.18, right? That means on average across all of the game Sims in our, uh, database here, they that's their negative correlation. But we see in this lineup, they're both featured together, right? And it's pretty easy. I mean, if you've watched a football game ever to understand how Josh Allen and the Titans D could both be optimal, right? Like for a single showdown slate, you're, you're asking for the, I don't know, maybe kind of a random fumble return or something like that. Plus Josh Allen having a typical Josh a Allen return, kind of game. And it's not punt return. Exactly. Yeah. There's all these different options. Josh Allen, right? Right. And since we're trying to build that optimal here, it's okay to include these two players together. And in fact, because most players will avoid this kind of combination, you're likely to end up with even more of a unique lineup than you would have with two other random players with the same projection and salary. So yeah, I, I totally agree, right? You, you might start, you might gain zero EV and just start duplicating your lineups more as you increase the correlation slider. So, right. Cool. Okay. Uh, good question there to get us going here. Let's get, um, let me get this other question here pulled up. We'll hit this one um, kind of quickly here about the sports that we don't have Sims for. Um, and then we'll hop over to the questions in discord and YouTube chat. So um, another one from email said, I saw that you don't support college football as your system says, I, I can upload projections to Saverson and run lineups. Uh, can you tell me if Saverson would create lineups with the optimizer any differently than any of the other major optimizers? 
Would Saberson calculate ownership and use default football correlation to make your lineups better? Okay, so good question. So the answer is, um, well, the answer is no. So Saberson, if, if you're playing college football right now, um, we don't have sims. We don't have projections for college football. We just put the slates up in the app so you can upload custom projections, build your own lineups using Saberson if you want to. But it won't. It, it is basically just a traditional optimizer at that point. Um, so we won't have um, any of these things that you mentioned here, like ownership projections or um, generalized correlations, which I actually think is kind of a cool idea, to be honest. But I think uh, instead of doing something like that, we'll probably just build a college football sim at some point. But yes, basically what's happening here is is it's it's as if you're using um, another uh, a, a different optimizer or any any other optimizer when you're building your lineups. So. Anything to add on to that, Andrew? No, no. Looking forward to us building out that sim. Yeah, college football should be fun. Um, we uh, have a um, valuable asset on our team in the form of Eric for the for the college football stuff. Um, regularly yeah, crushing college phone home. You yeah. should uh, see him at the top of your leaderboards. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, okay, cool. Let's go ahead and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually jump over to YouTube chat and hit some of these here first. Um, just because we got a lot of people watching us live here. I want to answer some of these live questions. So uh, welcome, right. everybody. But um, Danny says, what are some good filters to set in initial projections for an NFL showdown large field? Uh, I'll let you go ahead, Andrew, and, and tackle this first. Do you use any filters when you're talking about um, sh NFL showdown stuff? Well, one thing I do want to say is that we have a min projection of three points set by default. and Not, not for, for showdown. Oh, we don't. No. Oh, okay. Yep. So the default, the projection for showdown is zero points, basically. Like you, somebody has okay, to have good. a projection. Yeah. I was going to make sure just to let everyone know to always check that and make sure that your min projection is that you include everyone in the pool who has mm -hmm. a range of outcomes, whether it's 0 0.05, whatever it may be. So everyone, everyone's viable in showdown. So that being said, no, I don't have a filter. Yep. I don't either. I, this is all I use. I just want to make sure that players have a projection, which means in our Sims, in our data, they're at least going to see the field. I mean, you can see these guys, you can see why you want to include these guys in your pool, just on a quick glance at the 99th percentile, right? Like one out of a hundred of the, the, the Sims, you're getting guys that are 200 salary, 800 salary, you know, luck boxing into a touchdown and they probably end up optimal at their price. Uh, we see it all the time. I mean, Justin Watson. Was I, I think we've seen that twice. Yeah. We saw it yesterday. I believe Ryan Griffin at 200, he caught yep. one 18 yard pass and he ended up in the optimal. And then like you were just about to say on the chiefs game, uh, Watson was 200, maybe 400. And then he got a touchdown, like 12 fantasy points and was also in the optimal. Yeah. So I would, you know, I think the, I don't really like to use any filters here uh, for NFL showdown. I want to include everybody in my pool. I think everybody has a chance to be optimal. Um, Again, there are sometimes players that I will end up eliminating, especially at the captain spot, but I only do that after I run the build. Like on a slate like tonight, you know, I might be looking at a Josh Allen fade at captain if he is going to be 30% owned at the captain spot, which I think is realistic. Um, but that's not something I want to filter out beforehand because I want to see the lineups with Josh Allen at captain. I want to take a look at those first before I go any further there. So. Uh, DJ Sirius says, I know an optimizer is not a money printer, still having trouble spotting value. For example, in the week two NFL slate, uh, Garrett Wilson of the Jets was 4,400 with 33 DraftKings points. Uh, could I have adjusted settings to account for this? Uh, so hard to know if these guys are going to score 33 points at 4,400 ahead of time. Um, what I would say in general, the, you know, the first thing that comes to mind for me is if you want to account for a wider range of outcomes, right? If you want to, and I think that's an important part of, of NFL, right? You're playing in very large field tournaments. Uh, you need, you know, it's 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 not even like it's it's not even close to enough for a player to score their like 75th percentile outcome most of the time. Like this game going 40, what was it, 45, 42 or 30? What was the final score of the Dolphins? I think it was like 35, 42. I mean, here, we can even look at the percentiles this way, right? Like, uh, let's see, where's Tua? Like, Tua, okay, so we, like, Tua's 
actual outcome in that game, we basically had as a as better than a 99th percentile outcome for him in that game, right? Like that's how right you have to be to take down an NFL GPP. I don't think I don't think it's very easy necessarily to just go and identify the players that are going to do that before the slate, right? It would be great if you could. But one thing that I think you can do if you want to allow for a little bit more of that or you want to take more shots on guys that do have that extreme upside in your build uh, is to do something that, like turning up your sim precision slider, right? Um, and doing that is basically going to say, hey, I want to look at you know thinner and thinner ranges of outcomes, things that are potentially less likely. And when they show up in the sims, allow them into my lineups, right? Because if you get, let's say, Let's say you're building on uh, Sim Precision 6, which is the default setting, or Sim Precision 7, actually here, Sim Precision 8, which is the default setting for like a large field 150 max tournament, right? That's going to use six Sims as the projection for each lineup when we build that lineup. And you might have the Garrett Wilson scores 33 points in that bucket, but it's it's combined with five other simulations where he's probably not scoring that much. So you you might get him in your lineup. You might not if somebody does, somebody with a higher average projection does better in that Sim bucket. As this gets higher right? Average projection of three Sims per lineup. You're almost certainly going to be getting Garrett Wilson when he has the, the random 33 point game in the Sims. Now he's not going to do that every time. So you're taking on more risk there as well. But I think the easiest thing that I would think is if you want to encourage kind of more, a little bit more upside in your lineups and understand that you're taking on a little bit more risk, that's probably the first place I would go. Uh, but Andrew, what, what are your thoughts? No, I think that's a great approach. And I think that it is a risk tolerance question. And you have mm -hmm. to go in there knowing that this might lead to higher ROI days. This might lead to higher negative ROI days. And if you're okay with that, I think that's a great approach, especially for trying to answer this specific question of how do you get there? I think that is how you get there. Yeah. And I mean, you can come here and, and, and just remember like on the, oh, here, I have a filter set a little too high there. So I, I, I had Garrett Wilson filtered out almost here with my builds, but um I was going to pull them up. So like what you should re remember then and, and realize with that is like you are also letting like there's no way to know that Garrett Wilson was going to be the guy that did that compared to any of the other guys around him in a similar projection beforehand. So you're not just necessarily turning up the sim precision slider is not like a, a skeleton key to finding all the high upside plays that is going to let more of all of these different players that have high upside it back in, into your lineups. So it's going to allow for more volatility, more diversity, more upside, but, but that's why there's, there's more risk because along with getting the more Jarrett, Garrett Wilson's, you're going to be getting some of these other guys here as well. And some of these guys had good games. Some of them didn't. Right. So um, that's a, a important, important part to remember as well. But I'd say cool. it makes sense for the more lineups you build. Like if you're building a 150 set, mm -hmm. I would be more inclined to do that than if I'm building for like a 20 max. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I think, yeah, that as the size of the contest gets larger and also when you have more lineups in play, the more you can take some shots on some some like lower average projection, higher upside plays like that. So, um, right. but cool. Uh, Cameron said for a two game slate, should I use Sim Precision 10 on a 50 entry max limit? With ten to fifty thousand entrants, or bring it down to nine, uh, since it's in between twenty and one hundred fifty max entries, but closer to twenty. Um, I would say I think fifty max. That sounds kind of Fanduel, Fanduely to me. So let's go ahead and look over there. I mean, my gut is is I would probably trust the default sliders. We actually just recently updated these. Um, so I guess since you're between the, I guess the question is since you're between twenty and one hundred fifty, what should you use? So let's see here. So twenty one hundred fifty. Yeah, Personally. I think I think that's fine. I would say, you know, in general, on a slate like this, this isn't going to make a huge difference. The difference from from nine to ten on a on a two game slate when you're trying to take down a large field GPP. Um, I think I'm probably on board as well with you there. That I like uh, the the um, the one sim optimals here that we're using for the projections. Um, I, I just feel like a two game slate plays closer to a showdown than it does to a real classic slate. The optimal might take it down tonight and probably will. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, I'd be interested to just even see some actual data on that. Like how often, I know we don't get two game slates that often, especially ones where it's like the main slate with the fully featured contests, but I'd actually be curious, like what, even just historically, how often an optimal does end up winning large field GBPs for a two game slate. Cause I feel like it's less, I don't know. 
I, I feel like it might be less frequent than than we'd intuitively think. There's just all these like random guys down here that you know, like one big play, and like from I don't know, Jake Kumaro or Khalil Shakir or something like that, and then all of a sudden, it, it, then your, your your pool of actual lineups in the contest that have that guy are so much smaller. Like I I don't know, I'd be curious on on some data there, but I, I could be totally wrong. But I'd say yeah. you know, just looking at this question again. They're playing a 50 max entry limit. I don't know mm -hmm. what the buy-in is or what the size is, but I think my mind goes straight to 150 max flagship tournaments. And for a 50 max, sounds like probably not as large of a field. There's nothing wrong with building it in Precision 9. Mm -hmm. Yeah, either way, it, it, this isn't going to kill you. This isn't going to make or break you one way or the other, right? right. So... Um... Cool. Um, okay, let's go ahead here. I want to I want to get caught up on Discord um, and jump over there. So let's let's hop over to the the Discord chat here, um, and uh, so another question here from Sammy. This is actually kind of on a similar note. So let's talk about this here uh, for the two game tonight. Uh, he said, considering we're about to have two game slates. Uh, as well as both showdowns, will bumping correlation a bit higher than by default help construct more unique lineups? Thanks. I would actually say it would do the opposite, probably. Um, right, and that's I think, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, go ahead, Aaron. I'll, I'll let you take this one. Well, what I was going to say is something that we already touched on on the previous question about mm -hmm. NFL showdown and how increasing correlation can increase duplication if by by not including more negative correlations which lead to those less likely to be duped lineups yeah i, I totally agree i mean i think having correlation too high or setting like stack rules to try to get just like really pretty looking lineups is a trap tonight um i think a lot of people are going to do that i think that's going to make lineups like you're going to have uh, probably like even the major correlations. Like I think Josh Allen is likely to be paired with Stefan Diggs in lineups tonight more than the, those two players combined chance of being optimal, just because that's what feels good, right? That's what like looks good and feels good when you're building lineups. Uh, but it is, it is kind of like a hybrid classic NFL slate with, with a showdown slate tonight where, you know, we need to think about all the things that we normally do on a, on a classic slate, like correlation and ranges of outcomes and, and ownership and stuff like that. But also, I'm probably going to be a little bit concerned with dupes tonight. Like, I, it's probably something that I want to just be at least aware of, even if it's not super likely that somebody's going to dupe you in a two-game slate where you're picking eight or nine players. Um, I think it's I think it's at least something to be concerned with. So, I think getting uh, I think getting unique tonight is important, and and I would probably avoid turning up that correlation slider. So, um, but good question there. And, and I think that's how we feel as. Saber Sim in general only being at one correlation, you know, exactly. that's where the default is. Exactly. And what we're talking about is what the builders already in agreement with. Right. Right. Yeah. So I would probably leave it where, where it is there. So, um, I actually even think, you know, when it comes down to my, the way I'm actually going to end up building my lineups tonight, I might turn it off. Um, personally, um, I was experimenting earlier and, and we'll see what I end up actually doing, but I was actually experimenting earlier with treating this very much like one of my showdown contests where I am turning off correlation and turning off ownership fade. And then basically looking at single slate optimals here, and then just being super aggressive with the way I handle ownership after the build. So like taking some stands on a couple guys that I think are going to be really popular or things like that. Um, not necessarily saying that that, I, I still got to fine tune my lineups, get everything dialed in. I might end up bringing that ownership fade slider back up before lock. Um, if, if that's what I, I want to do, but um, it's, it's, it's very NFL showdown esque tonight, I think. Right. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's not a solved game and there are a lot of different mm -hmm. paths to victory. So you might try this and you might fall on your face. Like, Oh, I'm gonna try something different next sleep. So. Absolutely. Yeah. No hard and fast rules. It's a it's a good practice. Uh, I think the two game slate we have here tonight is is a good little practice for the Thanksgiving Day slate, which always comes up faster than I expect. But um, every year it seems like you get to Thanksgiving and it's like, oh, I've been playing 
9, 10, 11, 12 game NFL slates all year. And now you have this weird three game slate in front of you and like figuring out how to adjust your strategy for the three game slate is a little bit, a little bit different. So, um, right. And then I think I just, as a note of caution, I would treat your bankroll allocation for this slate closer to a showdown than closer to a main slate. So I'm going to be closer to the bottom 2.5% of the range than closer to the 5%. Agreed. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, Patrick said, so you're saying to build cash lineups for the classic, definitely not. Um, I was saying that I might, I might experiment with some builds at zero, zero, 10, which are basically the single SIM optimals. Um, cash would be zero, 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 which I probably wouldn't build for my actual lineups. Um, but it does bring me to a good question here asked, um, from someone in discord here that said, would it make sense to run a zero, zero, zero build? So again, that would just be average projection optimals, right? Average projection. Not single SIM optimals, average projection optimals. Uh, and simply to find out what other optimizer users are getting for their main builds. Is there an edge to doing that? Or am I reaching too far here? I think this is a great idea. I think it's a good idea of a way to get an idea of what is the field likely to do. Um, what are, you know, we talked about this last week where I said you could go, you could get some value out of out of um, doing this in a sport like baseball just by setting a five stack rule and saying build at zero, zero, zero which will essentially mimic somebody that's using like fantasy cruncher or something like that, going in there, using an average set of projections, setting a basic stack rule and, and ripping it. Um, I mean, ultimately like we're trying to beat other players that are also playing DFS to win at this game. So if you can come up with a way that kind of approximates even in part what that other people's process looks like to ultimately exploit that, I think that's a great idea. Um, what are your thoughts? Also, I want to reiterate the point that you brought up last week of setting the scores in yeah. app to closer to the Vegas totals. So especially on like a small slate like this, Saberson will take a stand sometimes on one or two teams and Vegas might have a total at 26. And we say, no, I think they're not that good. We're going to have them at 24. And for the purposes of this exercise, it would be better to set the team totals to the Vegas totals. Yeah, and you can use uh, to help with this here if I can get it pulled up. Um, I, I've always, I, I'm sure there's like a ton of different tools that you can use here to do this, but I've always felt like the the Fantasy Labs Vegas dashboard is pretty useful just because it's a really clean view and they calculate the implied totals for you. So if you want to kind of go see like, hey, what do, you know, a lot of projection models very heavily use Vegas as an input in there. Like most, most modern projection models out there will, will do that. So if you want to kind of see like, and you see, we're, we're generally actually pretty close here as well. But if you want to see exactly like what might somebody using a heavily Vegas influenced NFL projection model get out of those builds, you can you can make those adjustments here. So um, it looks like like maybe we're like a tiny bit higher on the Titans here. We're actually like super in line with Vegas here tonight, but sometimes we're not. So you can go in here and make these adjustments. Um, it actually looks like we're really in line with Vegas on these games. But you can make these adjustments, get projections that are a little bit closer to what somebody else might have out there, um, and then run those 0, 0, 0 builds. And I think you'll start to get a pretty good idea of where the, the chalk is going to be, what the cash line of constructions are, and, and how you want to pivot off of that. So um, on a two-game slate like tonight, it's I think you could just almost intuitively just kind of tell what, what those are going to be. But on a much bigger slate, like 10, you know, 10 12-game NFL main slate, uh, can be a nice way to just get an idea there of of how things fit together. So cool. Um, okay, so a question from AK here. This came in in Discord as well. Um, and it says, uh, watching Andy go over his NFL breakdown, and he mentioned using a filter before building lineups. Um, and he adds the filter that's show players with my ownership is greater than 3%. Yeah. So um, question says, can you explain a little bit about what this does? Yeah. So uh, Andy has a couple recent videos that he's put out on the YouTube channel. Uh, those are up there in our NFL playlist if you want to go check those out. Uh, but one of the things that he does is he creates a rule here that basically says, um, you know, only show players with my ownership over three. Um, and what this is, is it's, it's kind of trimming your player pool with the idea that like, if, especially on a main slate, an NFL main slate, if the field's not even getting to, uh, any of these guys, 
more than 3% of the time on average. Maybe there's a little bit too much risk overall in using those players in your lineup. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it, what the Millie Maker this week, um, I think actually was one of my favorite Millie making Millie Maker winning lineups I've seen in a while. Um, it was the two a stack Waddle Hill run back with Bateman. Nobody in that lineup was rostered less than I think it was like three or 4% of the time that that player got different with the construction uh, and the salary allocation, but the individual player ownerships weren't, there were none of them less than like four or 5%. Um, and that's kind of like part of what's, what's the, the, I don't know, the thesis of this here is like, I don't want, I don't need to take a shot on a player who's, who's like market driven percent of, of paying off is less than 3%. Um, I don't use that filter too much in my particular process, but I do get a little bit more aggressive with my overall projection filter. And I will typically end up with like a, my projection filter of like anywhere from six to seven points with kind of a similar idea of just like, I don't want, I don't feel the need to take shots on, on these guys that are, are projected much lower than that. Now for tonight, two game slate, this is probably going to be zero or maybe like one for me for the classic slate. Uh, just cause I do want to take shots on these guys because I think they're great ways to get unique. Um, but on a main slate, I typically increase it up. What are your thoughts there? Yeah. One sounds about right for tonight. Yeah. I think it's a good rule for a lot of people to use unless they have strong opinions to not use it. Mm -hmm. I would say maybe like spot check it a little bit. You can, you know, sort in app by my own. Cause I think, I don't know what we had him projected at, but I was kind of high on, on Amari Cooper this week as like a bounce back candidate. Yeah. And he came in at like 1% owned. So I would, I would sort by my own and just make it, make some notes. If there's anyone you see in that range that you, you do want to include. Yeah. So I, would, I agree. I would and blindly said it. I think the, the takeaway here or like the most useful part of this here is like some, some curation of your player pool of the, of the guys close to the bottom can be good. And that's, that's actually like why we have this baseline minimum. It keeps changing to what I had it, but it, it baseline, it's set like this, right? That's what, that's why this exists is so that, you know, even for people that aren't going in and making that adjustment themselves, you're not getting like super low owned players in your pool. I think it's useful to like, whether you want to do that by ownership or whether you want to do that by average projection or whether you want to do that. We've talked about 95th percentile is kind of another tool, but like going through and like kind of figuring out like where, you know, literally just like sort by one of these things and ask yourself, who is the last player on the list that I would actually be comfortable playing in a, in a lineup, right? Like even in a single lineup, that's the way I think about it. A lot of times I'm going through here um, and I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, who is, if I was just building one lineup for this slate, what is as low as I would go? And I found overdoing this for many, many slates over many, many years that a lot of times it's around six to seven projection points, Um like I would, I would have been down to get at some Doolin and Corey Davis. And like, I had some Noah Brown this week, Devin Duverday actually probably would have been able to get some exposure to, but once you get a little bit lower, it starts getting to some of these guys that are like, eh, I don't know if I'm, I'm in there. So that might be where my line is drawn. Um, and you could do that again. You could do that with ownership, right? If you want to, or you could do that with percentiles or any of these other tools. But I think a little bit of player pool curation can go a long way sometimes with, with this kind of stuff. Yeah, I think what we're talking about is like Andy does it with ownership. You do a projected points. I like to do it with percentiles, but we're all trying to do the same thing. Exactly. Player pool curation. So I think you put that great. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Question from Rogue here. We'll hop back over to YouTube chat here in just a minute, guys. So be patient, be patient with us. We're, we're working through the Discord messages now. Um, this one says, does locking a player setting 100 out of 100 exposure, still let the build run Sims with other QBs versus if I remove all QBs listed and only leave one checked. So the Sims that are selected to build any lineup are independent of like what you have done in terms of build rules or player projections or exposures or anything like that, right? So the Sims get selected no matter what. So if we went in here and you said, uh, if you had the crystal ball and you said, I am all in on Tua this week, right? you're still going to select Sims where like Tua doesn't score a lot of points or where uh, Tom Brady throws five touchdowns or, you know, all of these different outcomes. It just, when it comes time to actually build the lineup, Tua will always be the first quarterback in because he's the only one selected. So 
Um, but yeah, good thing to note there um, that they, it doesn't, nothing interferes with the way that your Sims are selected when it comes time to build your actual lineups. So, Right. And I think that's important distinction to make because if we were only taking Sims where Tua was the optimal, you might have a hundred percent dolphin stacks. Yeah, well, and I would hope you'd get 100% Dolphin stacks. I mean, you you would either way if he was your only quarterback in your pool, um, right? Like we won't, we're not, we're not, we're still, we'll, we'll still probably get, um, you know, 100% Dolphin stacks, but um, it doesn't, it doesn't limit the, 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 the Sims in that particular case. So um, did I, 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 maybe I misunderstood you there, but yeah, I think. I think we're good here. Um, let's see. Uh, okay. Question from Pelu Pelu here. Pelu Pelu. Um, and this one says, uh, yesterday you had to change the max exposure for like 10 to 15 players. Every time you changed somebody else's max exposure, another player came up uh, with an exposure of 80%. And without changes, Saberson gave me 97% car and 3% Stafford on 150 max build. How would you handle, handle a slate like yesterday? I had the feeling of intervening too much. Greetings from Germany. Um, so I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll go first on this because I think Andrew and I are like do a little bit differ a little bit here in terms of how we actually end up going about some of our exposures. Ultimately, I think this is a lot about your own personal risk tolerance. Like how much how much are you comfortable committing to a given player or a given stack? Saber Sim is going to try based on the contest that you tell us you're playing and given that particular context of the slate to give you a, a set of exposures that make sense on average, but it's not necessarily going to be right for every player. And I often end up diversifying my pool further than what Saber Sim is giving me. Um, so I ended up over on car yesterday, but I only had about 50% car and, and Raider stacks overall. I still wanted to be over the field, but it wasn't something I wanted 100% of my lineups to be committed to there. Um, for me, typically, I will like, I'll kind of handle things on a case by case basis for for this. So, you know, I'll, I'll kind of walk through what what my build might have looked like as I was starting it all here tonight. Um, so in, in this case, I actually didn't get as much car here. Um, but let's say I wanted to bring this down a little bit, maybe, you know, maybe just get even with the field, right? And then this is going to have kind of a ripple effect on the rest of my lineups. Somebody else is probably going to pop up here, right? Um, there we go. So now Stafford jumps up to 47%, right? So now if I want to continue diversifying, right, I might have to continue kind of moving through here. Uh, because your entire pool of lineups that we've built for you here is what we call generally viable for the contest, right? They're, they're playable. Their, their EV is probably pretty similar. I would not worry too much about making risk tolerance based adjustments here. Like I would, I would continue to make adjustments here in a build as you see fit until you're comfortable with the risk you're taking on, on each individual player, uh, because those lineups are already optimized for the, the, the contest you're playing. But, um, Andrew, what, what are your thoughts here? I know that you, you tend to condense your exposures a little bit more than I do on some of this stuff. I think looking at this question, I think the two big things to focus on are how not not even how would you handle this like yesterday, Morby. I had the feeling I was intervening too much. And I think that is like the big thing I want to focus on first. Cause mm -hmm. where we've been going with our DFS framework and we're gonna be having the first episode of Behind the Sims published for establishing a DFS framework is the three steps that we're calling build, review, adjust. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that somebody should feel like they're intervening too much because you want to have a set of lineups that make you feel comfortable. Right. I think at the end of your build, if you're not comfortable with your exposures and what you're seeing in your lineups and it makes you nervous, then maybe you should adjust, rebuild, and then review again. So I think that if you have to adjust 10 to 15 players from an exposure that you feel is too high and then send those back to the home screen and then rebuild. I think that's totally okay. I don't think there's any intervening too much there. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the most important thing is, you know, I think SaberSim will help you to answer some of these questions and build strong foundations for your lineups where you otherwise don't have input or, or like 
you know, you don't otherwise have an opinion on what to do, but if you're building your lineups and you're like, wow, these are really high exposures and I don't want to be this exposed to these different players, then make those adjustments. And Saberson will then kind of come in and help meet you where you're at from there and build you the best possible lineups as possible within those, those uh, requests. So yeah, I think that's a good approach. Um, Rogue followed up here, said this is, okay, so in step one, like, is the pool going to be mixed if I only check one or if I have three selected and then lock a player at the position, will the pool be mixed? Um, I'm, okay, I am going to try to answer this as best I can here, um, if I'm understanding correctly. So if you lock in one quarterback in right here, right, if you lock button Lamar Jackson, you will get 100% of your lineups in your entire pool will be Lamar Jackson lineups. You will get no other quarterbacks. If you adjust that in the post-build process, you are just sorting through your lineups to pull out 100% Lamar Jackson lineups from your pool. But you may have more diversity in your pool there. Um, Andrew, you, am I reading this correctly? Do you have a different idea on what, what the question might be here? No, I think your understanding of the correct of the question is correct. I think one maybe back and forth that I want to bring up with you is that so we're going to run the Sims and then regardless of whatever quarterback the builder thinks should be in there, we're going to say, no, this lineup should have Tua. Is that, is that what you were saying earlier? Yeah, I switched up. I, I started with Tua and now I'm using Lamar, but yeah. So like here, I'll, you know what? Let's just like, let's just build some lineups here. Cause I think it would help. Maybe okay. we can just demo this. So we'll lock in Lamar Jackson and let's build 20 lineups here. Or let, well, let's build for a 20 max. We'll build 500 lineups. So this is going to build the same way as any other build on SaberSim, right? So, I mean, this analyzing simulations here literally means that we're, we're basically selecting all the Sims that we're going to use for this lineup, right? It's selecting from the full range of outcomes of Sims that we have. It's not limiting the Sims that are selected because we locked Lamar Jackson. It's it's using the full range of outcomes. But when it comes to the actual building lineups portion, because Lamar Jackson is locked, he will just be the first player that's used in every lineup. He'll be put into that lineup. Then based on what the Sims were for that lineup, the best possible lineup around that will be created. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm, I'm following you there. I guess my question is, wouldn't that lead to more like naked QB stacks or like lower Lamar Jackson stacks. If we're, we're just lock buttoning him, but the range of outcomes is wide open for everyone else. I understand like correlation and ownership will lead to more stacks for him just on like lineup dynamics. But I think that opens the box for like less QB plus fours and QB plus threes. Yeah, it can. Um, and I mean, we're seeing actually a little bit of that here as well okay um this is so, what i thought would happen yeah and and i think part of this as well is because we picked a rushing quarterback in this case whose correlations to his top pass catchers are actually just going to be a little bit lower um if we did this with like tom brady or something like that you're probably less likely to see that um but yes it is it is something that uh you should be aware of um the, and you'll this. probably still get more of the correlated stacks overall mm -hmm. if you didn't lock button him. But it's just the fact that you're taking everyone else's range of outcomes and only using this one person. Right. Because in those situations, you would get your QB plus twos with the pass catchers from whatever team did good. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and if you're locking in one quarterback and you want that quarterback in all your lineups, it might help to add in a rule as well. And, you know, say something like at least two or at least three players from the same team um, to make sure that you get not only the quarterback you want, but also the constructions you want there. So. Right. That's a good way to combat that. Um, Teflon says, is there a way to tell the builder one running back per team? When you click on the no more than tab, you lose the ability uh, to edit a specific position. Honestly, at the moment, there's not a great way to do this, but our new, our most recent update or our, our most, 
our next upcoming big update will let you do this very easily. So we're planning on pushing out this new um, rules tool. Um, I've been calling it kind of a rules dashboard that will basically let you make all kinds of these different rules that would potentially like avoid those those kinds of constructions um, and they'll get a lot easier. In the meantime, one thing that you can do is if you're seeing, there's a couple things you can do. If you're seeing like two running backs getting paired together frequently, um, like it doesn't happen that often, but you know, maybe I'm curious, like, do we have any Darrell Henderson Jr. where Cam Akers was also used? Probably, probably not, right? I didn't see many two RBs stacks in my constructions this weekend. Yeah. Either I can't way, think of a team. One thing you can do, let's just like pretend that um in this case, here, let's just pretend that uh Let's just pretend Kenyon Drake is Cam Akers here and you want to avoid Darrell Henderson and uh, and um, Cam Akers together. You can like filter on both of these guys together and then just trash all of the lineups that include both of them. So remove filter lineups and that will just eliminate all of those lineups from your, your entire pool. And then you can fill these guys back in. And now, even if you increase your exposure to Darrell Henderson Jr. at this point, you won't get lineups that have both him and... Kenyon Drake in this case, because we've eliminated all of those. Um, another option would be if you notice that like two players end up frequently paired together and you just don't want them together is you could create a group here and basically just say, we'll just use the same example here. Um, and just group these guys out so that they don't show up in lineups together and say, you know, less than or equal to one. So you could group that. Um, yeah, so Teflon said, yeah, it tends to happen on shorter slates like tonight. I'm seeing it heavy. Yeah, on a, on a slate like tonight, I think it could happen a little more often. Um, but that would be the, the easiest way to do that. So, And uh, as just as a teaser, the rules dashboard is going to make it so much easier. Yeah, it's 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 nice. It, you, like literally, and you could go through and just say like, and it, it'll build a rule for all of the teams at once. Like never use two running backs from the same team. So looking forward to that. Our, our goal um, is to get that out like, pretty quick here we're doing just some final testing there and, and then we'll get that out so um i think the people will like it jordan i i agree i i'm looking forward to it so. <laughs> um okay cool um let's see so ak says what percentage ownership in nfl is considered a point of looking at getting heavier on uh for example in mma i think 20 percent is the low end and presents opportunity um, interesting question. I think, you know, I don't, I, I, tr I try to proceed with caution with these heuristics, right? I think people that have watched the show a lot know that that's kind of my, my approach here. I, I, you know, the example I always like to give is if you had a player that was min price and projected for like 50 average points, right? It doesn't matter what his ownership is and any heuristics that are like, don't roster a player over 30%. Are going to start to fail you in that case and that's an extreme example like that's that's a, a big exaggeration but ultimately it's all a balance of player projection and correlation and ownership together that i don't necessarily like to just say like a certain player's ownership is is too high um but i, I think it's a ahead. very complex question as yeah. well and and i just thinking back to basketball season when joel Embiid was out and i forget I forget who his backup was. Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond. Yeah. And he would come in at like almost min price and his ownership was 95%. Right. And that might've been too low. Like you should have, he should have been rostered in a hundred percent of lineups. Right. And it's just such a, it's, it's a very hard question to just lay a blanket rule for. Yeah. And I agree. I think, you know, I will say, uh, coming from the the guy that that hates rules of thumb, I once guys once are once players are projected for over you know about I would say for for an NFL slate over about twenty percent ownership, I, I think you should at least be like aware of those players, right? Like not saying just instantly fade, but you should. I think go through a thought process of like, why are these players so chalky? What's the game environment? What's the situation here? Um, if these players get a ton of ownership at these positions and salary, what does that mean about like potentially the way the rest of the slate might unfold? And if you're going to be over on those players in terms of your overall like portfolio, 
and, and how much exposure you're getting to those players, it should be, I feel like almost somewhat conscious at that point. Like you should have made some level of a decision to, to get there. Right. Like I, I was aware that the Raiders were going to be chalky and I was consciously over the field on cars stacks and Devonte Adams and some of these other Raiders. Um, and just cause you're, you're, you know, that you're, you're making that, that stand there, I guess. So, um, that to me, I guess, if you're looking for kind of a, a heuristic line, um, that's... I feel like we might have backward answered this question because the question says, what percent of ownership in NFL is considered a point to look at going heavier on? So I feel like the person is like, what, they're looking like more toward the bottom, like, oh, if they're like 10% right. owned or 5% owned, should we go heavier? But then we were like, forget that be very careful about looking at like this top range. Yeah, no, you're right. And okay. So yeah, from that standpoint, so I, I almost never do the opposite though. Right. Because like, I think the way I kind of think about ownership is that the field is going to condense too much on the players that project well on average, right? The field is going to overrate the probability that these players are in the winning lineup or in the optimal lineup or just, or, or going to overrate their overall scoring upside. So like when I think about ownership, it's mostly coming, it's most of the time coming from the standpoint of who is the field rostering too much. It's not very often that there is, at least in like 2022, this used to happen more like when people were just worse at DFS, but there's not a lot of situations where there's like some very low owned player that I think people are just missing completely. Uh, and that I want to be like way over on just because they're low owned. That's That's my general approach to ownership is I'm thinking about it more from like, who do I want to fade and who do I might want to be under on rather than who are the, who are the singular low owned plays that I want to get to. Um, I like to think about it from a very similar perspective. I think yeah. that as a user, it's a little easier to say, I want to be off of this play rather than trying to predict the future a little bit and saying, right. I want to be on this set of plays so my approach is tell Sabersim who I think is the wrong play and then let Sabersim tell me, okay, well, if they're the wrong play, then these are the best plays. Yep, I completely agree. And probabilities on your side in that case, right? Like if you're saying I'm fading chalky Raider stacks, you're basically building a portfolio of lineups built on any other stack is the winning stack. And right. that probability is high. That That is like a very high probability outcome. If you're looking at this and saying I'm all in on – Colts because nobody's playing the Colts. Even if you are right on, even if you're right from a leverage standpoint, you're still banking on a very thin outcome there because you're, you're saying like, I'm picking one team and that's my like target as opposed to eliminating one team and letting your portfolio unfold from there. So yeah, I, that's, I think, I think we're, we're in agreement there, but um, okay, cool. Let's, let's see. Um, Getting caught up here, uh, Patrick says, when we get a check mark next to team name, I think that's in our backlog to add. Um, frankly, like probably not something that we're, with, with the rules update we want to get out and some of the other things we're working on. I know it's kind of a small change, but just not something that's like super high priority there uh, for us at the moment. Again, I would just stay tuned into the NFL lineup alerts channel in Discord. You know, if you've been building your lineups on Sunday with us here for the first two weeks of the season, it's pretty easy to know when the final Sims have run and, and you can get started. It's always about an hour before lock um, and then you can can roll from there. So. Um, all right, let's see here. I see someone said in the chat that Gabe Davis is indeed inactive. Oh, nice. OK, cool. Well, that simplifies like Patrick, things here. Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely simplifies things. Um, all right. So Eagles uh, here um, said, uh, how do I know that I'm under five duplicates in showdown? By the way, thanks, Saberson team. I think two showdowns yesterday. Well, first of all, congratulations. Um, I did not. I had a terrible day playing uh, showdowns yesterday, but congrats. Um, knowing, knowing how duplicated your lineups are is pretty tough. Uh, it's not an exact science. I think there are a couple things that I like to use. Um, but I have talked about that before on some of these streams, Andrew, I haven't really heard your stance on how you navigate getting unique, uh, avoiding duplicates in NFL showdown. What are some of the things that, that you like to do? 
Well, I think first to just answer the question, I don't think there's a, I mean, obviously you can't know beforehand because you don't know what other people's lineups are, but in order to check, I use results DB, the free roto grinders tool to go back and look at how many dupes I had. So I think that's a great way to do your process, build what you think is a good set of lineups and then wait for the contest to start, wait for the data to be pulled in, and then use their free tool to actually see how many times each lineup you built was duplicated and see how many under fives, under tens you had and or how many were duplicated, like over 50. And then that'll kind of tell you, was I thinking about my avoiding dupes the right way or do I need to switch up my thinking? Absolutely. Yeah. And I may have misread this here um, in terms of like figuring out how duplicated you are after lock or like trying to get unique before lock. Um, I actually didn't know that 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 results DB would tell you how many dupes, how many times you were duped for free. So that's um, pretty nice to to know there. So um, what about before lock? So, I mean, obviously, you know, we're all trying to avoid duplicating lineups where possible. What, What does your process look like for trying to get unique on a showdown slate? I'll, I'll be honest. I'm still refining it. I mm-hmm. find that I have more dupes than I would like. Yeah. I What I do is I will use that, that, that tool since it's free to look at other um, very good players, such as like giant squid, uh, such as OC DOBV Kurt in our community. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that they're pretty good at uh, getting unique. I'll check out shady advice sometimes. And yeah, so just try to get a feel for how other people in the community are playing those contests. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. And, and, you know, sometimes people ask on, on office hours here, like what are some ways to review what other sharp players are doing? And uh, one thing I, I always recommend is to go in with some purpose and like to, to go say, you know, I want to go look and see what, what are these guys doing to get unique and how consistently can they get unique lineups or low duplicated lineups? Um, so I think that's a, a great idea. Um, uh, there's a couple little things that I do. I think there's kind of a spectrum of how complex you want to get here or, or how involved you want to get. I mean, a very basic thing you can do that I think does at least push you in the directionally correct direction here uh, is to reduce your max salary, right? That's why this is 49.9 to begin with for NFL Showdown, just to avoid some of those lineups at the top max salary. Uh, the main idea here is that both people building by hand and using traditional optimizers are going to overvalue max salary or very close to max salary builds when it comes to coming up with an optimal lineup for an NFL game. Um, so I think even reducing this to 49.5 will probably just on average lead to you having less average duplication in your lineups. Um, from there, I, I found that you know a very consistent way of just getting lineups that are less duplicated than X than, than you would expect is to just play a different angle of the game. Um, I think people just way of a, of a wide variety of um, like different using different tools and, and different skill sets, just way overrate the average expectation of a game in terms of what's actually going to happen. Um, so saying, you know, in a game like we have tonight favoring um Builds that are a little bit more featured towards the Tennessee side, uh, avoiding very highly owned captains, I think can be a very good idea. Um, Like I will, if I end up playing Josh Allen captain lineups tonight, I will be a very intentional, like I will be making sure that the rest of the lineup throughout has a very like contrarian approach. I actually kind of like the idea of, I could see like, why is this not updating here? trying to see my lineups i could see uh like josh allen captain plus five titans being a construction i get to i could also see josh allen um plus like titans defense in there is just a way to diversify that lineup um so um and there's one distinction that i want to make uh just going off of how you say you approach the games it's not like you're saying that oh you know the spread is 10 in favor of the bills so i'm gonna in my projection screen jack up the titans team total that's not what you're doing you're building the lineups with the default inputs and then taking those type of game scripts from the sims that the sim is providing to you and then playing those 
games. Exactly. So I think that there's a distinction to be made there. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, Jordan said to just flip the game on its head and play a game where the Titans blow out the Bills. Like, that's not that's not what you're saying. Yeah, no, definitely not. I'm saying I, I want to play constructions that I think people are going to avoid. And the reason I know, I think that's a really important point here, is the reason I know that I can do this and still be plus EV and still end up with good lineups is because I know that every lineup I'm playing comes from a game comes from one of the game sims that we have for the game right i'm not just picking i'm not just saying like must play five titans lineups and like five titans in a lineup and see what's happened see what happens i'm basically saying hey like saber sim what are the best versions of titans four and five stacks can i play tonight um and i think they're just i mean you can you can kind of use these things in conjunction with one another too and you start to see like we have lineups here that are low salary and uh under underweight on the bills and i think these are ways to start getting pretty unique um so those are the main things i like to look at but cool i think we are uh caught up with questions here we're we're right at about the hour mark as well so uh probably start to to wrap up here today uh andrew anything else you want to leave everyone with any final takes on the two game slate tonight or the showdowns or, or anything else you, you want to know my opinion where I fall on the slate? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah. Yeah. Last, last thoughts. Uh, we're, we're, uh, what are we two hours before lock ish? No, an hour, no, about like an hour before hour. lock. Yeah. So what do you got? Well, I'll say that I do like the new show time, you know, yeah. it leads right up to, to lock. So you kind of get the mind, right. Final Sims run an hour before lock. So that'll be kicking off in the next five minutes. So get to go right into building. I hope that uh, we are giving the people a nice little slate preview, getting them in the right frame of mind to build some winning lineups. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on board. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, dive right in here as soon as we hop off. So, um, everybody, thank you for tuning in here today. Good luck in the the showdowns uh, tonight. Good luck in the classic slate. Uh, we will be right back again here tomorrow, five o'clock Eastern. I almost messed that up for another. Oh, actually, check that. Um, Neither Andrew nor I will be on office hours here uh, tomorrow. We're both, uh, we've got other things going on in the afternoon tomorrow. So I think I will follow up. Um, I think it may be Andy here doing office hours tomorrow, or we might end up uh, skipping a day there. Um, but worst case scenario, we'll be back on Wednesday for another show. Uh, one more congratulations to Jorn Vigo uh, for the highest score this week in the weekly max challenge and to Rudy 13 for winning the uh, mini max tickets for next week. Uh, good luck tonight, and we'll see you guys all, if not uh, tomorrow on Wednesday. See you guys.